Progress came and took its toll And in the name of flood control They made their plans and they drained the land Now the glades are going dry And the last time I walked in the swamp I sat up on a cypress stump I listened close and I heard the ghost Of Osceola cry The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. It is the start of my You Can't Kill Me December tour here at FSU. I graduated this past Friday, but I am not done yet. And in news uh, for Florida State, Florida State football is just getting started, hiring two new coordinators since we last talked Adam Fuller at defensive coordinator and Kenny Dillingham as the offensive coordinator Florida State football also received their quarterback of the future in Tate Rotomaker from Valdosta and we'll also have a deep dive into what went wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars you can always call into the show at 850-644-1837 Tomahawk Talk starts right now and I am joined by my good friend and Fellow co-host for the day, that is Ryan Kelly of WCTV. Ryan, how are you doing? It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, listen, I hosted six months after I graduated. I was I was a super senior host of Tomahawk Talk. I know. So that. so so you ride it for as long as you want, pal. Yeah. I hey, super senior, four point five years to graduate. Nothing wrong with it, Ryan. No, nothing wrong no, with it. No, nothing wrong. There is something wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know you're going to get to that we'll get later. We'll get to that. We might need the whole. Half back half of the show to describe that, but uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll let you be. Over to my right, making his return. That is Nick Carlisle. Nick, you barely got here on time, but you got here. Look, H- how are you doing? It's it's not uh, a Nick Carlisle Tomahawk talk unless I get here out of breath. Late. Almost. Oh, not out of breath. Come <laughs> on, come on. That was that was a one time exclusive thing. But no, I'm doing fantastic. I'm really happy to be back on the show. Always. Uh, happy to come back and see what you've done with the place. And yeah. uh, congratulations on graduating. How's Thank it feel? You. It feels pretty good, doesn't it? Except uh, for whatever happened to your graduation ceremony, somebody started booing, didn't they? Yeah, that was that was pretty embarrassing. And some people just weren't weren't able to uh, keep it together. I mean, even if it's not your cup of tea, you just sit there and and enjoy the moment. I I think that uh, 
some of the people who got away. Some of the parents, you know, I thought could have set a little bit better example for themselves. But that's neither here nor there. I know the Osceola is working you pretty good. That's why you were a little bit late editing and everything. Yep. But yep. We'll, we'll go over to Jay Sutton from All Access FSU. Am I getting your name right there, Jay, with uh, with your TV show that, that you are with Florida State? Knowles All Access. Knowles All Access. Knowles yep. All Access. Yep. Jay, how are you doing? I know that this Florida State football team is has really changed since you last were on here. And, and what do you think of uh, Mike Norvell and everything that's happened so far with Florida State? Um, good impression so far. Um, and, you know, I've been enamored with FSU, but I'm more – Concerned with my Tar Heels being unranked, my Carolina Panthers aren't good. Loss of Wofford the yeah. other night. So that's on my mind right now. So Ron, Ron Rivera, <laughs> Ron Rivera, no longer with the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it could be worse. We could be the Jaguars. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. As a Dolphins fan, I'm just gonna stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't even tank our, properly. Our, our, we're both lords of no rings. That's, yes. that's all that really matters. Yes. So, Luke, I have to ask, what did you say to get a disclaimer put on the front of the show? Uh, nothing. Apparently, we had gone six or seven years without putting a disclaimer. That should have always been said. I was, I was never told about that. I, uh, you never. I, asked. I would like to retroactively apologize for yeah. never putting a disclaimer in front I would of like Tomahawk. To- Talk. Also, throw my hat back in the ring and say I'm sorry. I didn't know that we had that hot takes here on Tomahawk yeah, Talk I that didn't. warranted a, a disclaimer at the beginning I, I, of the show. I, I, I walked in. I walked in and heard that. I was like, "What did you do?" There, there was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. I, I was going into the meeting with Misha. We were talking about everything that had been done in the past. You know what we were doing in the future. And then she went and and you guys always do the disclaimer before, so you know you're you're good on that. And I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, little so do good. you know that the people that taught me did not do the disclaimers, so we're going to bring that baby back up. So you'll know next week if you, you come in for for another journey, we'll be having a two-hour show next week, 6 to 8. That's a that'll, super show. That'll be our holiday oh. special. That's going to be a good one, December oh. 23rd. Wow. you got to go a little couple couple Christmas presents here, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but... Um, I'll, I'll say this, Ryan. I, it's always great to have you here in in the studio, and uh, I'm excited that you're back. So that being said, let's let's get into it. And Kenny Dillingham was named the offensive coordinator for Florida State. Uh, a little bit of his track record. He said his first job was coaching JV when he was 17. JV football. Uh, he he said that he wants Florida State to play a pro style offense fast. And I don't want to. That, that didn't necessarily feel like a shot to Willie Taggart, but Florida State over the years has been a pro-style offense. Now looking to the future, do, do they have those type of guys to run that offense here since they've tried to recruit for, for that fast-paced up-tempo? James Wackman is the quarterback right now. Where do you think that the future is going to be? Well, you know, I, I didn't necessarily take it as a shot, and I don't think anybody else should. Uh, this staff, really from the get-go, and both of those press conferences, I'm sure we'll get into both, I'm sure we'll get into the fuller presser as well, both of them really just kind of came out with as guys saying, listen, we do what we do. We've done it every single step of the way. We have proven that this thing works. We feel like this school, with the talent it can get, with the resources it has, is the perfect marriage with our drive and our system and our scheme. I never really took it as a shot more than... If you're a Florida State fan, you all know that it's very, very easy to win the press conference. Yep. The, the last guy did it. The guy before him did it. I'm sure Bobby Bowden did way back in the mid-'70s. <laughs> I'm sure Bill Peterson did it. I'm sure Daryl Mudra did, and they fired Daryl Mudra about as quick as they fired Coach Taggart. So all, all that being said, it's easy to say that, but the confidence with which they say it and how much it seems they trust what they do and they trust each other, you can't help but 
walk away with that feeling encouraged. Jay, he is 29 years old, one of the top offensive minds in, in all of college football. He said that uh, he, he was just a high school coach that went and sat in on Coach Norvell's meetings at Arizona State and, and really got, got attracted to him. But when he, when he moved from Memphis as an offensive coordinator over to uh, where he was at Auburn, he had play calling duties and Gus Malzahn took him over. Does that worry you at all that halfway through the season he, he was no longer calling plays and, and now when he comes to Florida State, we'll, we'll see who's going to call plays. It looks like Norvell, but how will he bounce off of Norvell working with him all the number of years? Yeah, it doesn't worry me at all. Like you said, they've been together for a long time. And I think that they know each other. They're like two peas in a pie. He pretty much alluded to that today. So um, I'm anxious to see what they do. And I agree with Ryan. I don't care about the energy. I keep hearing fans talk about, oh, he's so energetic. And I don't really care. I, I Just tell me what you're going to do, which they are. They're telling us what they're going to do. And they're confident in saying how they're going to do it. So that's what stands out to me. And I think he'll be fine. Nick, does Florida State have the pieces right now to run the offense? Uh, I think that they do. I think one of the major problems with the Florida State offense was just the play calling and how it bounced between so many uh, different people, whether it was Taggart, whether it was Bell, whether it was Bryles. And, you know, Bryles may have not had complete control this year. But with the players that you have, you do have some great returning playmakers. You have the Trayshawn Harrisons. Fingers crossed, if you're Florida State, you have Kalen LeBourne coming back and him not bouncing into the transfer portal. And, of course, the running back situation is a little bit worrisome for Florida State at the moment. Uh, Grant's coming back, but you still do have those playmakers there. Obviously, the big question is that quarterback Blackman is obviously a pro-style quarterback. He can run the offense fast. He has had a year and a half, I guess two years, of running a quick-style offense, but it's, it's. I think, my real worry if you're asking about whether this offense can perform under this new system, it's at quarterback and it's not anywhere in the position area. Do you, do you have a problem, Ryan, looking at the future with 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 what they have, Tamari and Terry, Kalen Labor, and I don't even know if he is he still practicing, allowed to practice as, with the team. As, it's, as of right now, because uh, I know he was suspended. Kalen. Uh, I do not believe Kalen was at practice Saturday. Don't quote me on that. I'm trying to remember what Odell Hagens ended up telling the press. Or actually, I know, yeah, there was only one running back practicing. It wasn't him. So, yeah, as of right now, LeBorn is not with the program. But uh, Terry, of course, tell, telling us after practice that. Uh, He's going to wait and see this thing out through the end of the bowl game, mm-hmm. kind of test his foot in the water. Of course, this is a really deep wide receiver draft. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of wonder, because he did heap a lot of praise on Norvell's system and what he does for wide receivers and how they're able to get open. And, of course, one of the first things Mike Norvell said about his scheme is that this is a place where we want playmakers to play and make big plays. I sounded like John Madden there. but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> big time players make big time plays, and Brett Favre. Uh, time, but Brett Favre is uh, the greatest Brett Favre. But but you remember Auden Tate? He he came in at that situation with Jimbo Fisher and thought about coming back and jumped to the draft. Is that a similar situation to Tamar and Terry? Uh, I I think one of the interesting things is going back to how deep is this running or the, excuse me, not this running back class, this wide receiver class. Because if he feels like he's a mid round guy. But if he likes the system and feels that he can come back and make some yards and make some more money in a 365 days, I think he's putting a little bit more thought into it than that. Well, look, looking at the other side of the ball, Adam Fuller named the defensive coordinator for Florida State. He's had a long tenure at small schools, started at Chattanooga as a defensive coordinator. That was one of his first big jobs. Then moved to Marshall, was there for a number of years, became the defensive coordinator for one, for one year was a defensive coordinator at Memphis for one year, and then now will be at Florida State. He heaped praise on Coach Norvell, Jay, 
And and looking at this, he he kept on going back to what Florida State was in the glory days, that their defense was the focal point and wants to change that. The focus has been so much on offense for Florida State fans. What, what do you think he can do with the defense? Uh, I think he should be able to do a good job. I really like what you said about him referencing the older days of Florida State being known for their defense. And in his press conference today, he really – highlighted uh what's it Mickey Andrews a lot um and you really like to see that but my biggest concern would be the playmakers on defense like who who are they going to get in and he said that himself he wants to know you know you can have all these schemes in the world you can be multiple whatever but you have to have guys in those positions so. and how healthy are they going to be coming off of injury too yeah exactly so Nick looking over at, at that side of the ball one, one of the cool things from that press conference was he said uh, he wanted to go and change things and and move move the way Florida State has tradition wise he pointed out some baseballs he said what are these baseballs doing here and he said no no we can't move those because that's the amount of shutouts he's starting to figure out the tradition of Florida State why is it important to keep that tradition well the tradition is what is going to get people buying tickets the tradition is what's going to get recruits in the building and get recruits on the field so tradition especially on the defensive side of the ball you think about florida state being dbu or at least one of the schools yeah. claiming to be dbu Deion sanders jalen ramsey ronald darby's you know you need to have that tradition of hard-nosed defensive football and if that's what he wants to bring if that what's he if that is the i guess slogan of his defensive coordinator era that he's bringing in with norvell um i think that's probably the perfect way to go you need players on defense that are going to want to play physical want to play fast and uh, as jay alluded to in his press conference we don't know who those players are yet of course yep. we have a lot of exciting young freshmen uh mccray and uh not gander's not a freshman but he's another one of those young players that has been sticking out and you take a look at uh people or seniors like levante taylor who was a consensus you know five Bust. star <laughs> and he he regressed like Really badly. I mean, I've never seen somebody get burnt so many times in a season. Maybe besides Tavares McFadden. Well, <laughs> yeah, that that would be your argument against that. But uh, the defense is going to need that physical type of play, and he might deliver it. Jay. And can he get guys to catch interceptions? That's yes. a big question. That's okay. that's what's the, the over <laughs> under on on. Um, Oh, his, his name's eluding you. Uh, yes. I know who you're talking yes. about. Uh, is it Bowden? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. Um, it was uh, Dent. Akeem Dent. Yeah. What, yeah, what's yeah. the over-under on Dent getting his first interception? I mean, he's had, like, what, 12 chances, and they've all been drops. He's like a Shaquille O'Neal at catching <laughs> interceptions. Well, that's why he plays defensive back, yeah. not yes, wide receiver. Not wide receiver. <laughs> that, that's, for, that's for a Madden game as well. Yeah, I, I think so as well. <laughs> I, I could hear that. L- uh, looking at the contract details, Ryan, they were just released. It's a six-year contract. That that'll start at three point seven million dollars and and get get more and more money. He'll end up with five point two five in year six. It, it was a fairly entry level contract for a big time program. Did they get them at him at the right price? I think so, man. I mean, you, you take a look. Willie Taggart had only had one Power Five job before taking FSU, and he was five million flat throughout five years. And here you're going to get a guy who, in his last couple years, is just going to be paying just over that. And you're starting out at just around or just under $4 million. That's not bad at all in today's college football. Now, of course, if this thing is a great success, it's going to be quite the pay raise. And I'm sure there will be an extension, a renegotiation and all that. But when you are a Power 5 guy looking for your shot, the way Mike Norvell is, when you're 38 years old, as young as he is and as energetic as he is, and as much as he talks about, and this really is a practice what you preach contract, as much as a, mm-hmm. I don't want you to trust me, I just want you to prove, I just want a chance to prove I'm trustworthy. This is a deal that most certainly reflects that. 
what what has he done right so far? You uh, get, give a list of what he's done right for Florida State. Well, I I think the intensity uh, ab- above all is really uh, again intensity doesn't win you ball games, but it does really tap into a fan base that let's face it, we all saw, saw social media, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we go on these message boards, we see this stuff. A fan base that was maybe not thrilled about this decision eventually or at the beginning. They were a fan base that was not exactly over the moon that here comes the group of five guy who's been at Memphis for four years. But the fact that he was able to hit this tone, this tone of passion, this tone of really, listen, I understand you're frustrated, and we're going to get this thing where it needs to be. I'm not going to let it happen overnight. And that's the other thing. He tempered expectations. Yep. Which the Taggart fact, did not do. Which which is exactly what I honestly believe sunk Willie Taggart more than anything, is that he lost the, he won that PR battle throughout that first offseason, talking about we're going to make this team great, we're going to win right away, the we're going to champions, retool, not rebuild. All of that stuff came into play, and then that Labor Day night happens. And then you find yourself with your back against the wall. And that's really the big issue that, to me, sunk Willie Taggart. Norvell hit the right tone for me in terms of tempering expectations, but also saying, I've got what it takes to do this. Because, let's face it, if you're in a rebuilding phase, you need someone with hunger and drive. And if there's one thing I think that he's put across is hunger and drive. And again, that doesn't win you any football games on the field. Jay is 100% right about that. But what it does do is it helps maybe those checkbooks get a little looser. It helps buy in from people who were a little doubtful about you just about a week ago. Jay, you've worked hand-in-hand with Willie Taggart doing your show, and and you've seen what Mike Norvell has been. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him, but for for people who don't know the difference, what what is the difference in coaching styles and as a person? Um, I'm seeing both coaches, and and do you think that Norvell has has those keys to be successful, or or do we have it's a wait and see approach? Um, I I can't speak to him as a person yet, like you said, because I yeah. haven't had a lot of interactions with him. Um, I did interact with Willie every every week for a while, so um, Willie was a great person. Norvell seems to, like his energy is good, like he, it's it's infectious. Um. You could tell when he enters a room, everyone likes him. Everybody likes his energy that he brings. I think that I think that he has what he needs to be successful, and I really like that him and his staff are on the same page. When you listen to the press conference, um, Dillingham, is that correct? Yeah, Dillingham yeah, right. and Fuller, every they all echo the same things. Like they're different guys, they have different approaches, but they echo the same thing, and you love that. And I think that that's a reflection of Coach Norville. I think Fuller said that he had never even met Mike Norvell in person and accepted a job with him. I mean, that just proves, to your point, that they really are buying in. If you have, and the one thing, if you can go and point to what Willie Tiger did wrong, was that he didn't have the correct staff around him initially in year one. And, and you think that Norvell, he's gone back to all of his assistants that have been poached, and they've wanted to come back and work with him, That which says a lot. That says a lot. And, you know, had to hire 24 assistants at Memphis, and now that he's at Florida State, he kind of gets his pick. He kind of gets these yep. guys that, hey, you want to come play in the sandbox again? And, and, Jay, I think you raised up a really excellent point in that everybody seems like they're on the same page. I believe it was – I forget if it was Dillingham or Fuller, but one of them brought up the fact that they're not all the same person. They go about some things differently, but their core beliefs are the same. Their core beliefs about what culture should be in a locker room. Their core beliefs about how a program should be run, what the expectations are for coaches and players – that's all in the same page. And if Florida State really wants to get serious about rebuilding the culture at FSU, not just the product on the field, which, by the way, I do think as time goes on, we will see that Willie Taggart 
maybe did not get enough credit for helping kind of reset some of some portions of the Florida State culture. Yep. But that being said, if you really want a hard reset and get the culture of FSU back where you want it to be, that's what you need is guys who are like-minded and have the same values about what you should get out of a football program. Nick? And I think that's really important that we're driving this point home because I think when you talk about one of the things that really sank the ship that Willie Taggart was, you know, uh, driving, uh, it was not only not ha- not tempering the expectations, but it was not having a coaching staff and not having an assistant team that yep. was coordinated and together. You know, you talk about all the rumors and reports that uh, Walt Bell and Taggart didn't get along. There was obviously some issues with play calling, as I said earlier in the show, and there was also some rumors that Bryles and Taggart weren't getting along. And of course, Barnett was flipping schemes every f- week trying to get that defense to play well, apart from what Jim Levitt was doing, which Jim Levitt was probably the biggest loss uh, of the offseason. Uh, Has Levin ended up anywhere yet? I don't think so. I, yeah, I mean, I he's so. gone, but would you be surprised if he, you know, came back again? He's going to surface at Kansas State. You just know some uh, somehow, some way in a couple years. But you kind of feel like he'd have been the head guy at K-State. That's what he's uh, always that's, wanted. That's what everybody yeah. always thought was going to happen. Y- you know, there was a rumor that got brought up when he was done with his contract about him and Pullman. Washington State working for Mike Leach. Really, I, I, I kind of like that prospect. <laughs> Imagine that, Washington State with a defense. Those are some strong personalities together in one room, and I would uh, polar that, opposites. At the very least, capti- captivating television. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to see see him over there. Maybe I, I know that he's had had a little bit of trouble with, with with you know his his off the field issues, Jim Lovett, or I should say on the field practice issues uh, at USF. I know that. There was, there was a rumor that he was trying to go back to USF. I, I know that that was not possible. But one of those one of those things that I saw was that Kendall Browles and Willie Taggart were kind of gunning for the same position at FAU. Yeah, there were some rumors about uh, Kendall Bryles at FAU. There were also some rumors of him hopping on the lane train at Ole Miss, which, by the way, yep. is exactly what I wanted. I am so heartbroken that we are all going to be denied that as college football fans. Je- Jeff Lebby over uh, over at Ole Miss in that position from UCF. So I mean, I, you know, it, it turned out okay for oh, them. Oh, oh, it's a great hire. I mean, seeing UCF in person this season, that's it's impressive. It's really, really impressive. But you know, it almost makes you wonder if I'm Bryles, I'm gunning for the Texas job. I'm gunning for that OC position. Uh, you know, Herman is a little volatile, but it's close to home. It's a place where you can go back in your backyard and recruit, recruit, recruit. I'm sure it's a place he'd love to be. If I'm him, that's the one I'm campaigning for. Jack, I was going to ask, do you do you all think that uh, Brow still has some baggage attached to him with the whole Baylor situation? Uh, you know, that's a good I question. Think, I think the more jobs he has, the less, the less it, it carries over. But, uh, I mean... He didn't. I think his biggest problem was he didn't really do anything at Florida State this year that that would make him so much of a hot commodity. You know, that I think that's the biggest thing where where the expectations for him have have been tempered a little bit. Where some people were were gunning for Bob Stoops to be the coach and and then him be the coach and waiting Kendall Browse. I I think that it was more of the reason why he hasn't landed is because he's not getting as many phone calls. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, because when you say that, Bryles, when you – let me let me just retract. The first game, Boise State, it was clear the offense had improvement. I think Bryles did – I'm not going to say nothing in his time at Florida State. The offense improved. Now, marginally, 
and I don't know how much you want to wage how much the offense improved, but I think a lot of the big second-quarter fiascos that plagued Florida State throughout the entire season, really once the second quarter hit, it was like there was a different football team or at least a different offense down on the field. But is that a disciplinary issue from the head coaching position instead of a flatlining offense? I think that's the question you need to weigh here when judging how much Bryles actually did at Florida State and how much of a hot commodity or a cold commodity that would make him. I actually like what Ryan said. I think going back to Texas with uh, with Herman, that would be a great place for him. Uh, right in the backyard, he can really dig his roots, or his teeth rather, back into the roots of the, the Texas recruiting ground. I think it's a great spot. And I think quite honestly as a whole, he is a team that some of its parts-wise is at the very least more talented in key positions. Uh, and that's not to say that Florida State doesn't have great skill players, but that's just it. They have great skill players. Uh, I, I don't care who the offensive line, or I don't care who the offensive coordinator was, the offensive line took a step forward under Randy Clements. There, there's no doubt about that. But when you're still in key deficiencies at that position, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to get the job done at the efficiency that you want it done. You just mentioned Randy Clements. I, I was just told that he is he is the new offensive line coach at Ole Miss. Well, there we go. So, so. he is breaking apart from Kendall Bryles. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, I don't I don't, I don't know everything that's going on, but I do know one thing. Florida State should send a nice Christmas card to FAU for saving them a little bit of money uh, on their buyout, $750,000, I believe, each year. So it takes a little bit of that change out. And Willie Taggart at FAU seems like a, a good landing spot for him. If, yeah. if you're looking at, at the future, uh, you, you could even say, I know Jeff Sims didn't put him in that top two or top three, but that would be a nice landing spot for him if he has that familiarity with Taggart. Maybe. I mean, it's all going to depend. I think if it happens, if it doesn't happen, it'll depend a lot on how true those rumors were about the control and this and that and the other. But, you know, going back to it, you're absolutely right. This is a fantastic landing spot for Willie Taggart. And I think I think the reaction to him landing a new job compared to maybe a previous coach leaving is all you yeah. really need to know about how people feel about Willie Taggart, the person. I, I, I get troll tweets. I get email, blah, blah, blah. You're too nice to Willie Taggart, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, he's a nice guy who just, it didn't work here. It's it's obvious why it didn't work. We, we've literally been sitting here and talking about yeah. this on <laughs> your show and my show and everybody's show for two years now. We, we all know why it didn't work. But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone wants to see that guy fail. So I'm really kind of curious to see how he does in that role and what he's learned after this didn't work out. And as a matter of fact, not only did it not work out, it was in some points a disaster. Lane Kiffin left FAU for Ole Miss. We, we've been talking about that. Willie will, will Taggart at FAU, is is that the best hire that FAU could do? I don't know, Jay. You want to, okay, I guess I'm taking this one. I, I don't know if it was the best that FAU could do, but I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to be a pretty good fit, and that's all that you're looking for when you have a coach that leaves like that, and it's not like he's been fired. He just takes off. He's taken off for Ole Miss. Um, it's a good landing spot. It's it's a it's I guess it's a regression for Willie Taggart. I mean, you come to Florida State, you have the big wide eyes, the bushy tail. You say you want to get things done. You don't temper expectations, and then you want to, you want to go for the kill. 
and it just doesn't work out that way. So you say, okay, I'm going to take this as a learning experience. Go and actually build a program again. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the PR on Taggart and really the reason why he got the Florida State job in the first place was he's a program rebuilder. This is a great opportunity for him to re-solidify that quota that he had before he got to Florida State because you take a look at, obviously, what he did at Florida State, unmitigated disaster. And FAU's in a great position yeah. right yeah. now. My only yeah. my only uh, grievance towards this is I think that Taggart didn't have enough time. I think a month isn't enough time to refocus your coaching career goals because, I, I, I in my opinion— he he messed sometimes up. Sometimes in the college game, that's all you get. It is true, but I mean, Les Miles took a year, two years off, and has come back to Kansas and and turned that program upward. Not not too much, but I think Willie Taggart really the problem with him was was you know culturally, internally, how he coached, who he had around him, and if you don't sit back and see you know what went wrong and not say I didn't have enough time because he he didn't exactly have enough time, but. There were a lot of things that made it worse. So, in in my opinion, I think that Taggart might have might have gotten a job too quick. I, I don't know. I, I think a smaller job with less expectation, with less infrastructure and organization that you have to deal with. That's clearly been in Willie Taggart's wheelhouse throughout his time. I mean, with Western Kentucky and South Florida, of course, being gigantic examples of that. I, I think a smaller organization. I think he'll flourish in that role. And listen, at the end of the day. The guy still runs an offense that outside of FSU got results. He still recruits like crazy. He's mm-hmm. a Florida guy. He knows the area. He knows the dudes to go get. If you're FAU, it's just about the idea that, listen, in my backyard, in my conference, I can get better athletes than just about anyone in the league. And if I can get a guy that can do that and just put them in a position to be in space and score points, there's a great chance I'm going to be one of the better teams in the league. Jay, you had something to say before we go to break? Yeah, first of all, you had me concerned for a second. I thought you were about to say something positive about Willie Taggart for a second there. I got I got worried a little bit. No. <laughs> hey, hey, no, I, I, I was I was the one who, who didn't like the hire in the first place, but I, I said, you know, you gotta give him time and maybe they didn't give him enough time. But you know, I it just it's just sometimes it's like um it's like he went to a supermodel and then the supermodel realized he wasn't really worth very much and went back down. And I think I think sometimes you need are, to reevaluate you your relationship. Are you comparing Willie Taggart FSU to the Britney Spears Kevin Federline situation? That's what it sounds like yeah, to me. I, I, I am. Going like on here. I think wow. I think that he needs to reevaluate himself and and you know maybe grow inside. This is I, why we have the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Ryan, did you know that Luke is not a fan of swag surfing? Did you know that? I, I, I did, actually. I, I did know that. I, I am a part of the, the club, and uh, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll go to break. No, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before we go, I have an idea. I have a pitch. So before swag surfing, it was like that Zombie Nation remix, which, listen, Zombie Nation is tired, it's old, it's worn out. Swag surfing, not everybody liked it. But I have a pitch for what needs to be played at kickoffs at Florida State. The stinking, uh, the freak song with the trumpet that they play at the softball games, that they play at the basketball, the burn. Uh, yeah, give me that. Give me that. What about, what about, what about Renegade? Because, because. We're, we're not the Stealers. I, Stop. I, I know, but, Stop. but, you know, we have a horse. We have a horse that, that's named. Stop. No, I have often wondered why the Chiefs don't have a variation of Renegade. I've never, I've never got the courage to ask David Plack why. 
but I have often wondered. I will say this: I'm I'm little disappointed. I'm I'm a swag surfing supporter. <laughs> there we go. Uh, there we go. But <laughs> but I will say that I was not really a fan of the Marching Chiefs iteration of swag surfing that they played. I second third down. I mean, I, at that point, it's like okay, I'm gonna hear swag surfing a couple times oh. at kickoff. I'm not interested Nick, in hearing the orchestra Here's version. the thing. Luke. It's PTSD. We got our butt whooped after Virginia Tech. Luke, I, I just can't. I can't. It, it had everything to do with it. It had everything to do with it. Do you mean to tell me that your hat does not match your bag? <laughs> You know, Ryan. You I know, think you should go to a break and recover. It's turning. It's it, yeah. yeah. I, I need a break. I need a break like Willie Taggart did. So we'll we'll, oh, we'll go to the geez. show. Wow. This is Tomahawk Talk. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Hey, you're sort of new to this singing stuff. So to start out, why don't you just sing the word truck, okay? Okay. I'm driving down highway 40. My big old pickup truck. Wait for it. Big finish. I'm driving down Highway 40 in my big old pickup truck. Oh, man. All right, we're back. This is Tom Octok on WPFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We, I, I don't know what that was. That that was that, Ryan Kelly. That uh, was uh, that was the Brack album, uh, and that was Brack featuring Freddie Prince Jr. Can, singing can, Highway can, Forty. Can you give people a, a little explanation of what that was? I, that I is, don't that even. Is, that is uh, an album from the year two thousand. I, I think most. I think a lot of our viewers would know Brack from Space Ghost Coast <laughs> to Coast. Cartoon Network put out a Brack album. I played this once in my time at Tomahawk Talk. 
And and I got more stares and looks. And as soon as you were like, we don't have music, I was like, I'm going to go pull the Brack album. So we pulled the Brack album. That's what we did. You just heard Freddie Prince Jr. and Brack sing, I'm driving down Highway 40 in my big old pickup truck. That, tell, that's what happened. Tell WVFS we don't have culture. Yeah. Listen, for the love of God. Oh, my God. Brian, I don't know if I can bring you back next week. That uh, Whoa. Uh, that's All right. It, all right. We let, might not be that desperate during t- our two-hour special. Tell you what. Let, let me redeem myself. I can pull something for the end of the show that's maybe a little better. Okay. We'll, right. we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll, we'll see what you got. But we know that Florida State's got their guy, and that is Tate Rotemaker, quarterback from Valdosta. He is a six foot four, 190-pound quarterback. He completed 66.8% of his passes while throwing for 3,225 yards and 42 touchdowns along with 10 interceptions. Those numbers dwarf what we saw with Jeff Sims, the former Florida State uh, quarterback commit, and he was committed to USF. Charlie Strong, he gets the can, and his recruitment opened back up, and I think that Florida State, he, he, he's he's not one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the country, but Florida State got their guy, and, and this is this is the man of the future. Florida State hasn't had a quarterback since James Blackman come as a freshman. So for those who don't know the backstory, story, I'll, I'll lay this out a little bit because our coverage area does go out to Valdosta. We cover the Valdosta Wildcats. I uh, did want to lay this out that uh, it's not necessarily that Tate Rodemaker was committed to South Florida and Charlie Strong more than he was committed to offensive coordinator Kerwin Bell. Kerwin yes. Bell, of course, the head coach of the Valdosta State Blazers for quite some time, won a D2 National Championship with them last season in 2018, has a really innovative offense. They score a lot of points. They've had success eventually everywhere they've gone. I know South Florida had a bit of a rough year, especially to start on the offensive side. Quarterbacks. The they had too but, many quarterbacks But, but the quarterback yeah. situation, the issues, it's always taken time when you look at his track record at VSU, when you look at when he was building the program at Jacksonville, which is unfortunately now a defunct football program as of two weeks ago. It's taken him a little bit, but when he gets his guys, he runs his system. Rodemaker was set to come into South Florida and be his dude. He can make a lot of throws. He has a lot of athletes at Valdosta. Listen, the Valdosta Wildcats are one of the premier powers in the state of Georgia. They always have been. They always will be. There aren't many high school stadiums on planet Earth outside of the state of Texas that sit 12,000 people and have a museum to the high school team in them. Like, th- that's just the type of tradition you're coming And an from. onion. Or, no, that's Valdelia. That's, that's Ah, oh, man. I tried to pull it. I tried oh, to pull Luke. it. But <laughs> anyway, uh, his father, Alan Rodemaker, is the head coach at Valdosta. He's a coach's kid. He knows a lot about football, processes a lot of information, and was a guy that Mike Norvell had actually looked at at Memphis before, of course, he committed to South Florida. But Florida State, what is it that the old guy used to say? The logo carries weight. And, of course, staying close to home carries weight. There was a time where Florida State had quite the pipeline from Valdosta. I mean, from Lowndes County, from Valdosta High. I mean, let's let's face it, two of the best Seminoles of the last decade, Greg Reed and Telvin Smith, are both from Lowndes High School. This pipeline is something that needs to be opened up. I think they've got a good guy who can make th- good throws, quick decisions, has can deceptively kind of take off when he needs to, but is not, I would say, a running quarterback, but can get the job done with his feet when he needs to. I think he's a guy who can really come in and contribute for FSU, especially if he's going to be the guy in this class. Of course, we don't know about Chubba Purdy yet. Mm-hmm. Nick, you, you had something to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was basically, basically – Ryan pretty much covered everything that I was going to touch on. I mean, Valdasta has always My had bad. a pipeline right to Florida State. Rodemaker is the guy, I believe, at this point. I think uh, 
a lot of people are still hung up on Jeff Sims. He's obviously decommitted at this point, leaving it open. Uh, I'm looking at Jay's, you know, 24-7 sports, and however accurate this is, you know, you, you can leave it up to interpretation. But Maryland, Georgia Tech, right now Georgia Tech appears and appears to be, and I'm, I know you can't see me, but I'm using heavy quotation marks right now. Georgia Tech is in the lead for Jeff Sims. I think a lot of Florida State fans recognize that name. They're not going to know who uh, Rodemaker is, and that might scare a couple of fans. But, you know. Trust me, the I more tape think... you see, you're going to like. Yes. That that being said, though, I, I, I do want to ask this. Well. A little bit of on-air trouble there. You know, I've never Rude. understood why people don't see the, if the light is blinking, don't ring the bell. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. Just, We're hey, all friends here. As a former host of the show, We're as I'm sure you are, here. as sure you can sympathize, Ryan, it's a little bit of an annoyance Very when it rude. comes on the air. Hey, but, hey, hey, Jay, do you think that that Rodemaker, or do you think that he has it's to? Rodemaker. Rod, Rodemaker, I knew. I, I, I stopped it right at the moment. Do you think Rodemaker has to play right away? Is is that what Florida State's offense needs? You asked me about uh, being in wait-and-see mode with Norvell. I'm in wait-and-see mode with Rodemaker. Is that correct, Ryan? That's correct. I, I, I said Rodemaker as well, but I'm in that with, with uh, Rodemaker because, to me, if you have a system that's built for playmakers, you had a playmaker committed in Jeff Sims. Why not take him, a guy who has big-time offers, a guy who's highly touted, and you go with a, a lesser guy uh, as far as evaluation. I, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I defer to you all. Like I, He doesn't really excite me um, as much as a guy like Four, Jeff, Jeff Sims. 40, 42 touchdowns doesn't excite you? I mean, he's right in Georgia. Why didn't he get an offer from, from Georgia? Jeff Sims did. Well, well, did, have you seen Jeff Sims' stats? Uh, his stats this year are, are not very good. I, I'm trying but to. Georgia, pull... Georgia has the excellent play of Jake Fromm. Well, why would they ever <laughs> yeah, need yeah. another quarterback? <laughs> yeah, I mean, think of all the quarterbacks that have transferred or, or gone in uh, to Georgia and then had to transfer out. I I know that that Jeff Sims, if if you look at his statistics, he has not really had a good season. I mean, playing quarterback. Even with the statistics, he still has bigger um, offers than. Rodemaker. Yeah, but the reason why is because he went to those elite elite eleven camps and and whatnot, and that doesn't really if you if you go and win a camp, that's cool. But if you can't win football games and and put up stats, it doesn't matter. I mean, forty two touchdowns is forty two touchdowns. No, no, yeah. no matter what way you put it. And I believe I, I may be incorrect, but he only has about sixteen. So I I I. I Brett, you... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hopping on here for a second. I do really like Rodemaker's stats. I think he's having a really great season. You also do have to take into account the fact that. High school stats are very relative to who you're playing, what part of the country you're in. And Jeff Sims has struggled a little bit. We saw him on national TV earlier this season. Wasn't necessarily a huge fan of what I saw in that game, but it is just important to note that those high school stats can be relative based on where you play. Yeah, yeah and Ryan already made the case in point saying that the offense that he is coming from is a very high-powered offense that does score a lot of points. And you take a look at what Jeff Sims is, is labeled as. It's a dual-threat quarterback. That screams to me Willie Taggart's guy all the way. That's not yeah. necessarily Norvell's guy. And, you know, you take a look at what Jeff Sims has to offer in terms of athleticism. Uh, Rodemaker, it, Rodemaker, excuse me, Ryan, I know just got back. Don't crucify me. Uh, Rodemaker, <laughs> Rod, Rodemaker is, is uh, an inch taller than Sims, but Sims does have 15 more pounds on uh, his body in t uh, instead of uh, Rodemaker. And that's the one thing that I'm worried about at this point is he's, he's a bit of a skinny dude. At the he's got some muscle on him, but he's still a bit of a skinny dude at this point. Um, and 
Lord knows every time I see James Blackman about to take a hit, I kind of just cower because he can snap like a twig, and uh, I don't know. He put on 30 <laughs> pounds of muscle, man. What are you talking he about? He put on 30 pounds of muscle? Yeah, in the offseason. Well, uh, <laughs> he put well, on 30 pounds. Do you, do okay. you feel, so, Jay, do you, do, do, you feel, uh, do you feel comfortable with him going with, with James Blackman next year? No it would shock to me. To me, it would actually. I would be surprised if James Blackman is in the program next year. I was about to say that's, that. that's the question yeah. you got to ask. The question isn't is James Blackman starting. The question is is James Blackman with the program? Yeah. Is yeah. is he there come fall? Is he there in that camp? If not, you better hope that they end up getting a couple guys. You better hope that Chubba Purdy commits alongside Tate Rodemaker. Because listen, it doesn't matter who the guy is. You need depth, and it's a position that you haven't had depth at at a very, very long time. And not just depth, depth that you know is going to stay, depth that you know isn't a quick fix, depth that you know isn't just, well, hey, listen, we need a body for this season, so come on in. You need guys who can play at a very high level, who are competent, who have been evaluated at a high level, graded at a high level, that programs like Florida State and programs like Pittsburgh in the case of Tate Rodemaker and South Florida in the case of Tate Rodemaker and, of course, Louisville in the case of Chubba Purdy. You, you need guys like that who you know can play at the highest level and know are not going to be a hindrance to you if, God forbid, you need to go from your starter and go to someone else because of injury or, you know, quality of play, whatever it is. Jay, Jay are you worried that Florida State is the number 24-ranked recruiting class right now? Yeah, it does worry me a little bit. But you never know how things are going to pan out. We have until February, technically. I know early signing period in, starts tomorrow, but um, you have until February, so we'll see how it shakes out. But I wanted to ask uh, Ryan a quick question. Yeah. As far as Purdy is concerned, if they do land him, would you go with Purdy or would you go with Rodemaker to start off I'll, with? I'll be honest. I have not seen enough of Purdy to just say that straight up. Uh, I've seen enough of Rodemaker to know that if they needed to go to him, I don't think it would be a bad decision. Uh, I know Purdy is maybe, from what I've read, maybe a little more mobile. I could be wrong about that. But I, I honestly think either of those guys is probably starting next year if James what? Blackman's not with this program. Ryan, are we going to overlook uh, Scout Scout Player of the Year, Wyatt Rector? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> God, God bless him. Well, well, if we're if we're talking about quarterbacks, we've gone through 45 minutes of the show and not mentioned the Heisman Trophy winning Joe Burrow. So let's let's give him let's give him a shout out. You know, yeah. he he deserved it. The best quarterback in the in the nation, and and really just inspiring stuff that he threw and, out there. And can we think about the last time that there's been a Heisman Trophy winner that it just seems like everybody was okay with? Everybody was like, yeah. Yeah, he should be the guy. It, it doesn't really sit like, listen, of course, there were the three other guys who were in New York deserved to be in New York. Yeah. But I think everybody kind of knew this was going to be Burroughs trophy. They knew it was going to be his trophy because he played some of the biggest spotlight games and he shined in them. Granted, his receivers helped him out a lot. But I, I think his story, I think all that that kid has gone through and the fact that, I mean, how could you not get a little misty watching that speech? Oh, oh, what hey, you got, Jay? Hey, Ryan, I, you mentioned everybody being in agreement with him winning the Heisman Trophy. I happen to know a lot of Ohio State fans that, okay. are, <laughs> that are not ha – because they're also Bengals fans. They're not happy with Joe Burrow. They don't think that he's the quarterback for the future for Cincinnati. Well, I mean, I saw a lot of well, Ohio State fans higher, that were that were congratulating Joe Burrow and, you know, very yeah. proud of him even though he didn't get his opportunity there. Well, but, that, that's an entirely different conversation on whether he's the right quarterback for Cincinnati. Uh 
but when it comes to just practically winning the Heisman in a landslide, what was it, the highest margin of, of – yeah, Oh, yeah, and, yeah and, that's and, a given. And I think that's the other thing there is – Ohio State, if you wanted your Heisman Trophy winner, then the press of the Midwest should have threw their weight behind one of the two guys. Yeah. Because we, how often do you see this when, oh, well, this is a great team, a great offense, two guys have been nominated, and they split the vote. Has, the thing to also think about, sorry, Luke, is just what LSU has been lacking the past couple years. When you couple. Talk- <laughs> a long time. Long time. That's, that's Let, a lot of, of, of Zach Mettenberger's and Jarrett yeah, Lee's, buddy. Here, right, Here's right. the thing, dude. Matt, Matt Flynn was their quarterback that won the national championship. I mean, you can't even say he w- was no, was worth no. anything. No. But but go go ahead. No, just, just to that point, it's uh, LSU has been missing a quarterback since Matt Flynn. And that's <laughs> since always Matt <laughs> since Matt Flynn. And he, and he wasn't even really the great of a quarterback. The fact that you could even say that Blank has been missing a quarterback since Matt Flynn. It doesn't Not matter what the school I thought I'd the say. is. It just makes you smile. <laughs> but I am still saying it. it. It's it's just one of those things where uh, that's been the knock on LSU. That's been the reason why they haven't taken the crown from Alabama over the past couple of years. And Joe Burrow has come right in and taken it with force. And, I mean, I don't know how much we've talked about, you know, natty predictions at this point. Obviously, you're going to get into that, but I think LSU is a favorite. I, I really yeah. like them this year. Oh, yeah. Jay, you got something to say? No, no, I, I agree with uh, Nick, um, and I, I like Joe Burrow. I'm very high on him, and I definitely think he deserved a Heisman. I was just talking about how projecting to the future, mm-hmm. talking to Ohio State fans who had him there. They talk like he's, like, the worst quarterback ever. He's not good. He's not going to pan out. It's all a fluke this one season. I think people are, 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 are trying to say he's a product of Joe Brady, and without him he won't be anything. And I just, I just don't see it. I, I think he plays with a lot of grit, and that's something that you can't really teach. Yeah. It's going to be he's, he may or may not be a product of just the AFC North whenever he gets drafted if he goes to Cincinnati because I don't know what it is with AFC North teams that aren't in Baltimore or Pittsburgh, but you go there and it's just a program, it, or not a program, but a franchise issue that will prevent you from being a successful quarterback more than anything. Wow. So it's not, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, Jay, but I don't think it's really a measure of skill because I think Burrow has heaps and bags full of skill. It's going to be whether or not his franchise puts him in a position to succeed. Well, well, and, and I'm happy you've brought up the Cleveland Browns by proxy. By Be- proxy. <laughs> because I just need to say this. Now that it's officially they will not have a winning season, and now that that's officially not going to happen, can we just all agree we saw this coming? Can, can, can we just all agree? And listen, I'm making fun of the Browns now because I have to yeah. go in on the Jags. And I, I was about to say, we're, <laughs> so, we're talking about franchises so, so in, in trouble. Like, it's just like you, you drafted matches as your quarterback, and then you hired gasoline as the head coach, <laughs> and then you you got lighter fluid. You traded for lighter fluid as your wide receiver, and you wondered why the building burned down. Like, and then Miles Garrett takes a little little helmet to yeah, the, to the yeah, face of yeah, someone, and then, and then Miles Garrett smacks someone up the side of the head with a helmet. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what went wrong with the Browns really because they looked so promising at the end of the last year. They come off of one of the better quarterbacks, you could say, at the end of the year. He was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And yeah, but he really also just... played against really subpar competition yeah. at, the, at the end of the year. But to R- your point. Right, right. Let's get into the, the Jack. The, 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 the Patriots' first six games this season think the Browns had a weak schedule at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah. Sound like Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football. Right. Let, I just aged myself with that reference. Ryan, we've got about nine minutes left. Get, okay. let, let's, get, let's get a solid four Fire minutes. Fire Tom Coughlin. There we go. Let, let's get the solid four <laughs> minutes of what, what went wrong with the Jaguars. What, for people who don't know, what is the situation with the Jacksonville Jaguars um, after really everything fell apart as soon as Nick Foles got injured? 
No, no, everything fell apart way before. For, but that. I'm saying for this for this season, the expectations did, did were it, pretty though? high. Did it though? Because Nick Foles was 0 and 4 as a starter, and the guy that they're starting right now is 5 and 5. That, that's all I'll say about that. But here's the thing: when it comes to this season, and when it comes to the last two years, it's just pretty clear that David Caldwell and Tom Coughlin failed in putting together a quality roster. They put a lot of money and a lot of guys that are now going to be dead money. They put in all this money into Andrew Norwell to be one of the best guards, quote-unquote, in the NFL. He's one of the worst guards in the NFL. He's one of the most highly penalized guards in the NFL. From Carolina. Yes, he was from Carolina and was great for Carolina. But the thing is... Can you put the blame on Doug Marone, too? Uh, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's, let's run this marathon. Uh, the, 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 overall, you, you, you take a look at this roster, how it's depleted on the offensive line, how it needs more wide receivers. I mean, listen, you've got kind of a legitimate one-two punch now with DJ Chark. D.D. Westbrook has kind of taken a step back this year. Chris Conley has been inconsistent. Marquise Lee just can never seem to actually see the field without being hurt. Uh, that's a problem. You have a running back who is completely all about having a good offensive line to open him up holes so he can bruise guys and abuse guys. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not Dalvin Cook. He's not a guy who, when he gets a couple inches in the open field, he's gone. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Leonard get an open run this season and said, yeah, they'll chase him down. He's uh, LeGarrette Blunt. He's LeGarrette Blunt. Like, like he, he is a punishing back with a team that can't stand the punishment for him. It's, it's that simple. Uh, you take a look at this defense, uh, you know, you re- you let Paul Pazlesny retire. That's obviously his decision, not the team's. But then you don't make Telvin Smith happy, and now we're kind of finding out why because guys are getting fined. Back Dante and forth Fowler gone, well, Jalen Ramsey I don't gone. Think, I don't think losing Dante Fowler is the worst thing in the world because I think culturally any guy who would yell at Calais Campbell should not be in your locker room. Period. End of discussion. That that is just my thought on that. But Wait, glaring is it is it glaringly. How bad is it to see in the, the report just came out from the NFL Players Association? Yeah. Read the last paragraph of that. Re- read that verbatim. Uh, it, it says, here, I'll, I'll let you read it. I'll let you read it, Ryan. Oh, but but just to give uh, an emphasis on, on what happened, 25% of grievances filed to the NFL Players Association in the last two years have been against the Jaguars. Since, and that's saying a lot, Ryan. That's since, saying a lot. Since you practically just said it anyway for dramatic effect, I'm going to do it as Jim Rohn. Quote, the decision puts a stop to the blatant overreach by the Jaguars and the emphasis, voluntary nature of almost all football activities during the offseason. It should be noted the Jaguars continue to be at odds with management over their rights with the CBA far more than other. I'm butchering this. Anyway, you get it. 25% of the complaints over the last two seasons have happened in that have happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it just so happens to coincide with the reign and administration of Tom Coughlin. And listen, Tom Coughlin has done a lot for the city of Jacksonville. He made Jacksonville a contender right away. He made them successful. He made them one of the best teams to never play for a Super Bowl in 1999. He is no doubt a cornerstone of the building blocks of that uh, the, of the cornerstone of the building blocks of that foundation. Listen to me, I'm getting all worked up. Uh, he, he is a guy who is a capstone of the organization and what it was built on, and its foundation. But this is not 1997, and you cannot run an organization that way. Does Shad Khan need to make a move? Shad Khan should have made a move as soon as this came out. If literally the NFLPA is saying, hey guys, the next time you're looking 
for a team maybe don't consider Jacksonville when they're literally saying that in a press release that goes out to every single football player's email in the National Football League and you're already a small market. It's not like you're giving the flashing lights of Los Angeles and New York for the guys who want that and obviously you just traded away a guy who desperately wanted that. Uh, you're already a team that's historically over the last decade known as a laughing stock. You have to send a message and I think Listen, I get Shad wants to wait till the end of the season to make changes. When something like this comes out, you have to be PR savvy enough to say enough is enough. You're gone. Doug is the only guy who's staying for the end of the season. And I'm really interested to see if a trigger gets pulled. What does Doug Marone say? Because Doug Marone's been very, very coded sometimes about his dealings with management and how he doesn't like how the way things have been getting run. Because at the end of the day, Tom Coughlin makes all these decisions. He's at one press conference this entire football season. And Doug Marone has to come out every Monday and Tuesday, and he's got to answer for his executive vice president of football operations. I want to ask Ryan a question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Ryan, how do you feel about Doug Marone? Um, and what he's done there. Uh, the thing about Doug Marone is I, I think he's kind of gotten a bad beat here. I, I think you have clearly an EVP who still wants to be a head coach and still wants to run things day to day. And it's hard to be a head coach when you've got a guy who wants to be the coach looking over your shoulder and, oh, yeah, he just so happens to be your boss. The players seem to respond to Doug Marone. They seem to like the guy. Uh, I don't know if he'll survive. I I honestly hope that it would be up to the whoever the next general manager and executive vice president is, but I think he'll land on his feet somewhere. I do think he's a solid football. If, coach. if he doesn't survive, how would you feel about say Ron Rivera? Uh, you know, Ron Rivera is a guy that I was interested in when there was rumors about the coaching. This is just the fan in me talking, but I also know Ron's not a big analytics and next level stats guy. And the Khan family yeah. is gigantic on that. I know well, yeah. well, Tony Khan is, is big on the numbers. But J you, you said he is now? Yeah, he is. Ron okay. Ron Rivera is big on analytics. Okay. Yeah. Well, 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 we'll see where that goes, Jay. I know that uh, you, you want to talk about basketball. we got a couple minutes left. North, North Florida tomorrow, Swoop. 830 at, uh, in, in, in the Tucker Center. Can you give us a little bit of a preview on, on what Florida State's going to get against North Florida? I'm actually excited about this game. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and talk big about UNF. Like, they're a great team, but they are a very good three-point shooting team. And mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, they actually led the nation in three-pointers made. I don't know if that still stands because they played a game or two since then. But um, So the reason why I'm excited is because it could end up like a situation. I don't know if you remember the Western Carolina game where they struggled. They were down no. 17. Oh, yes. Yep. It was a three-point shooting team, a good three-point shooting team. So this team can come out. If they're hot. They could put a lot of pressure on Florida State. Um, but I do expect Florida State to take advantage of them because they're a small team and they're not very good defensively at all. So. Yeah, your guards are going to have to be kept on your toes defensively. They don't call themselves the birds of Trey for nothing. They, <laughs> the, the, in all honesty, that's that's the marketing campaign. It's yeah. the birds. They're... The, I'll say this. I do expect Florida State to win this game and probably comfortably. But if you're at the Tucker Center tomorrow night, you're going to watch two really fun basketball teams go at it. You, UNF has been a D1 program for 10 years now. Matt Driscoll is the only coach that they've had since they've gone D1. You may remember him as the guy screaming, let's go! <laughs> and, and by the way, if you plan on covering the game in tomorrow, any of you, you're in for one of the best press conferences ever because he's a great quote mm -hmm. and a super dude. And I know people in Jacksonville love the guy. Um, 
Dude, I, I, I really like them. I, I think we're in for a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, I'd expect Florida State to it have It could be a close game. I mean, it, there's always one game a year, one game a year in which Florida State gets absolutely shelled from three-point range. And I'm talking like 17 for 22 three-pointers. I don't know. It was Notre Dame one year, like maybe two years ago. So and I if, forget and who it was do it, last year. And if they do it, tip your cap. But yeah. it's, it's like Jay said, hey, the length is going to be a real problem with this. It could be exciting. Nick, are you worried that, that Florida State's going to take an early Christmas break here? What you mean? What you mean? The basketball or the university? No, well, I'm saying a, ch- a checkout the, that the uh, players aren't going to be as engaged because are, finals are over. Are, are, you, are you are you putting this team on upset alert? Is that what we're hearing? I I mean North Florida they've they've been they've been uh, they kind of took over for a year or two after Florida Gulf Coast became Dunk City. It wouldn't shock me if they they try to put up some effort there. I I I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked because, as you said, Florida State struggled early on against a, a lower program in the Carolinas. Wofford just beat North Carolina. Hey, hey, hey. Everyone everyone has lost this year. <laughs> I, I, I want to go on a quick 20-second rant here. I hate that the A-Sun has become a stepping stone conference for teams and programs that are just starting athletics departments, and they're putting a lot of money in, and they're using the A-Sun as a stepping stone league, the way that Mercer did, the way that Lipscomb did, though, or excuse me, not that Lipscomb, the way that uh, Belmont did, and now the way that Liberty is doing. They're using this as a stepping stone conference, and they're denying these really good, solid A-Sun teams who we've seen run pretty well in the tournament, like the Florida Gulf Coast and like the UNFs of the world, from being able to legitimately have a shot at winning that tournament and getting that bid. No, I can't it, stand that. And, and that's exactly what I was thinking when you talk about that. It's it's those teams that make the NCAA tournament in March so exciting. And when they just become a stepping stone and you ruin those chances of those teams really becoming viable contenders. Not viable contenders, but you get what I'm saying. Cinderella yeah. stories. Yeah, I mean, here's that, the thing. Liberty's going to be in the Sun Belt or somewhere in yeah. two years. Let's let's not yeah. kid ourselves. That's, that's the ambition there. They're putting all that money into that program. Private school, a lot of money. Uh, but the UNFs and the Gulf Coast, they can't do that. And and I kind of hate that the Thems and the Mercers and all those guys throughout the years have kind of used the A-Sun as their stepping stone, and it's kept us from seeing fun teams like UNF and the Tourney. Yeah. Jay, you had one last thought. Yeah, quick 15-second fun fact. They have a guy on UNF uh, from Tallahassee. He played at FAMU High. His name is J.T. Escobar. Mm-hmm. He can shoot lights out. Just look out for him. He scored 62 points against Oak Hill Academy when he left FAMU High and went to uh, Elevate Prep. So, something to look out for J.T. Escobar. So, yeah. Is, is there anything that Florida State fans should know about the USF game on Saturday? I that? haven't looked that, that far ahead yet. Sorry. Well, okay. O- on that note, on that note, that's all we have for Tomahawk Talk. For Jay Sutton, for Nick Carlisle, for Ryan Kelly, for Brett Rutherford and for Luke Fay, your host. Next week, we are going to have a very, very super good show. super holiday special. Monday, from, Monday, Monday. It'll be Monday, 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 6 to 8 p.m., so tune in for that. It's going to be it's going to be a powerhouse show. I, I think I got some big names coming. Um, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, that, that's all we got for the show here. You're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is next. On V89. 